because we got the alternative energy right. molecular free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced on Ghana land for 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. My name is Mara. Peaceboat, a Japanese-based global NGO, visited Adelaide on the 29th of January for the first time as part of a speaking tour featuring nuclear survivors from Japan and Australia on its 93rd global voyage. The Australian tour started in Fremantle, sailed to Adelaide, Melbourne, Hobart and ending in Sydney. The visit was hosted by Nobel Peace Prize winner ICANN in conjunction with local groups in each city. The Peace Boat event aimed to put pressure on the Japanese and Australian governments who have not yet signed the UN Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. This week we'll hear some of the stories shared at the Making Waves event in Adelaide. People affected by the nuclear industry and survivors of South Australia's nuclear bomb tests travelled to Port Adelaide to take part in this powerful cultural exchange. First, we'll hear from Akira Kawasaki from Peaceboat, then from Terumi Tanaka, a survivor of the Nagasaki bombings, which happened when he was 13 years old. The blast centre was 3.2 kilometres from his home. Then, to hear some of the South Australian experience, we'll hear from Maralinga survivor Mima Smart. And finally, we'll hear part of ICANN Ambassador Scott Ludlam's speech. But first up, here's Akira Kawasaki from Peaceboat. On behalf of Peaceboat, I'd like to first acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in the country, and, uh, and thank you um, uh, organizers of this event for this very wonderful and warm welcome. And uh, Peaceboat was created in 1983 as a student's project for um, uh, reconciliation and peace building. In the slogan of learning from the wars in the past, creating peace in future, uh, Peace World founders, those youngsters, have uh, uh, carried out various uh, voyage projects using passenger ship uh, to carry Japanese people to travel uh, many parts of the world, especially in Asia Pacific. Uh, we focused on the history of the World War II, where uh, Japanese uh, soldiers made a uh, lot of crimes and atrocities uh, and uh, brought about hardships uh, in our neighbor, neighbors. Uh, we have been doing so um, in the belief that uh, uh, learning from those um, issues in the past is very essential, becomes essential foundation for the peace building for future. And in that belief, uh, we uh, continued until today um, the Global Voyages, uh, which now has the uh, 96th Global Voyage of Peace Boat after the 35 years uh, history. And uh, among many projects that we are dealing, uh, including peace, environment, and sustainable development and human rights, Nuclear issue is one of the main, main uh, themes that we are working on. Because of the history of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and also uh, the nuclear power plant disaster which took place seven years ago in Fukushima, uh, which is still ongoing. The both are still ongoing. Hiroshima and Nagasaki are still ongoing. Even after 70 years, people are uh, 
suffering from diseases, and also, uh, notably, the nuclear weapons do exist and causing uh, more and more problems. So we, uh, we are really uh, doing this testimony sharing uh, with those survivors and victims um, in our efforts uh, to get rid of those uh, uh, nuclear weapons and also uh, setting a clear pathway to the nuclear uh, power-free uh, future. And our approach on these issues is not like uh, um, academic, international, in those debates of uh, politics or state-to-state -state relationship. Rather, we are focusing on those who have been affected uh, directly. And uh, uh, we believe that uh, those personally, personal stories have the power to change the world. So um, uh, I'm really uh, grateful uh, to all those organizers uh, today, including ICANN Australia people who helped uh, this uh, happen. And uh, PeaceVot is really proud of being a part of ICANN as an international three group member uh, who contributed for the creation of Nuclear Weapons Prohibition Treaty. So um, um, this evening we have a we will listen to uh, those survivors of nuclear weapons and also uh, nuclear disaster. But uh, please keep in mind that we have a clear pathway to, uh, to a new nuclear-free future uh, with the recently established Nuclear Ban Treaty. So I hope uh, this session will, uh, can, can conclude uh, in, in, uh, in one and a half hours with a clear conviction that we can do something together. Thank you very much. That was Akira Kawasaki from the Japanese NGO Peaceboat. Next, we'll hear the translation of the speech from Turumi Tanaka, a survivor of the bombing of Nagasaki. Hello everyone and thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Tanaka Terumi and I was 13 when the atomic bomb was dropped on my city of Nagasaki. And luckily I've been uh, healthy so far and I've been able to uh, participate in the battle to abolish nuclear weapons. And last year we were able to adopt the nuclear, ban, uh, nuclear weapon ban treaty and ICANN won the Nobel Peace Prize. And I'm very happy to be here today with you all. For a long time I've worked as a hibakusha to um, call for an abolition of nuclear weapons. And I've also known that in the process of creating nuclear weapons, there are many different types of hibakusha or global hibakusha around the world, um, from uranium mining or from nuclear testing around the world and during the other processes. And I wanted to learn more about these survivors, and that has been difficult for me. But uh, today, when I came to Australia, I was able to speak with test survivors and people affected in the uranium mines, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity to have been able to hear their stories. And I will go back to my country and use this as power when I continue my work. And so I'd like to tell you a little bit about the atomic bombs that were used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, although you may already know. Um, the atomic bomb that was dropped in 1945 in Hiroshima um, ended up killing at least 140,000 people by December of that same year. And in Nagasaki, uh, 73,000 people passed away because of it in that year. Um, this includes five of my own family members. And I'd like to tell you a little bit more about my story later on. But I'd like to say that um, the fact that there are still over 10,000 nuclear weapons, that, which are weapons of mass murder on this planet, is deeply troubling and angry, and it makes me very angry. 
I was 3.2 kilometers from the hypocenter when the atomic bomb was dropped. And luckily there was a mountain in between the hypocenter and my home, and so I did not experience um, that much damage. However, two of my aunts lived 500 meters and 700 meters from the hypocenter. And as the damage was too vast, we were unable to go into the city until three days after the bomb had been dropped. And what I, when we went there three days later, I will never forget what I saw. There were hundreds of dead bodies all over the place, as well as many people who are still suffering from uh, different burns or um, they're very hurt, and there was no one there to help them, so they were just lying there. And both of my aunts had already passed away. And what I saw here helps me to remind me that we need to abolish nuclear weapons and is part of the energy that keeps me going. And so during the days to come, many people was, passed away and also many people survived. However, for the next seven years, the U.S. did not allow people to speak about what had happened. And so people, not just in Japan, but around the world, were, did not have any information about what had happened, how many people had survived or how many people had died. And this was the situation for the uh, 10 years after the bomb was dropped. Ten years later, in 1954, the U.S. conducted a nuclear tests on the Bettini Atolls, and they dropped a hydrogen bomb there. And during that time, there were many Japanese fishing boats in the area, and some of the Japanese fishermen and the fish they brought back to Japan had been exposed to radiation. And for the first time, Japan found out about the effects of radiation and what it does to people. And because of that, there was, began a movement to abolish nuclear weapons. And for the... After those 10 years, uh, Hibakusha that had scattered around Japan came together to, uh, put, to do something. And they had the support of many of the citizens. And the organization, or the organization that I uh, work for, Hidankyo, which is the Japan Confederation of A-Bomb and H-Bomb uh, Sufferers Organizations, uh, was created in 1956. And for the past 72 years, the Hibakusha of this organization have worked very hard to uh, let people know about the consequences of nuclear weapons. And unfortunately, many of the people that I've worked with in the past have passed away. For the past 62 years, we've been working very hard to abolish nuclear weapons, and we've uh, we've and to get support from the our country to support the hibakusha, and to tell people about the effects not only in Japan but around the world. And so we've been doing that for the past 62 years. And as uh, Akira Kawasaki mentioned earlier, Peace Boat has played a large role in this. Um, they've brought Hibakusha around the world to tell the world about the humanitarian consequences of nuclear weapons. And my organization, Hirankyo, has done the same. We've sent many representatives to speak at the United Nations. Uh, in 2002, uh, there was a new anti-nuclear movement that began with the United Nations, and it began to focus on the humanitarian consequences of nuclear weapons. And but yet the Hibakusha were very uh, skeptical and they, wouldn't, they weren't very sure when nuclear weapons would be abolished. However, in the recent years, uh, we have been calling for a way to prohibit and abolish nuclear weapons. And as you all know, last year a treaty was created in order to do this. And, we, and two years ago, I couldn't have imagined that this treaty would exist. And so I'm extremely happy and I'd like to remember all of those who have passed before me and dedicate this treaty to them as well. And although this treaty has been adopted, it still has not been put into power, and so we need many, many countries to sign and ratify it as quickly as possible to create a world without nuclear weapons. And for this, I need all of your help. And we also have something called the Hibakusha Appeal, which is a, um, a petition in order to help this movement. And so please cooperate with us, and thank you for all of your help.
That was a translation of the speech from Turumi Tanaka, who's been sharing his story of survival following the bombing of Nagasaki as part of Peace Boat's tour of Australia. You're listening to the Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. On today's show, we're hearing stories shared by Japanese and Australian survivors of the nuclear industry as part of the Peace Boat events in Adelaide on 29th of January 2018. Next, we'll hear from Emma Smart, a survivor of the British atomic bomb tests at Maralinga. Yeah, I'm from Yalada. My family's come from other side of Maralinga. They walked on the land in the desert, healthy, no sickness. There's really good and health in their life. They know where to hunt and get the food. When they traveled across South Australia, they knew that that place of Uldia Mission and a lot of people were still traveling in the desert in a lot of different directions. They came to this place where the missionaries were looking after the Spinifex people, people who had no clothes, but they survived through that hardship of the weather, but they kept themselves strong and healthy. There's plenty of food. When they came through that area where the Merlinger bomb been tested from small to, to the last big bombs were they didn't know the danger. They didn't understand what, who these pe- people were, what these vehicles are roaring around on the road, what they were carrying things. They were just flying any, everywhere. Dust was flying. People were sparing, testing bombs. They didn't understand what it is. They just walked and collecting what they can get for their families. One of the families, husband and wife and two children, was the last group that followed that. They was looking for their families. Where, Where did they all went? They came through this bomb where the people was working. They was collecting some food and they made a fire and they were cooking it for their children. They were feeding themselves. They were happy. They were sitting under the tree. Next minute, back in the Merlinga village, there was a lambs, siren, making a noise, and then the police, all the armies came together, they looked, there's a smoke in between the, where the bombs were testing, in the middle, and the village was here. There's a smoke, so they all rushed out to see what's, what was out there, who was making this fire, 
what the smoke is about. When they rushed there, those families were frightened to see all these white people coming in to catch them. They thought they were coast. They were hiding in this little bush, and the little bush was shaking. They were dead frightened, never seen a white man in the land, in the desert, because they thought it was only Aboriginal people was in the desert. They were picked up by those armies. They took them to a cell. And they was really scared. If it was you mob was out there and those and Aboriginal people was a army and they would have grabbed you. You would feel the same as they were. As they was taken to a cell, they was put separately from from um, the father and the son slept in another room, mother and a daughter. They showed how to have a shower, soap, towel. They didn't know what it is. They was with, went in with a stick that they carried all their life. They put a hole in the soap. They thought it was a food or fruit that they catched out in the desert. When they had it, it was a soap and their mouth came soapy. <laughs> they was frightened. They didn't know what it is. There wasn't an Aboriginal person who understand to interpret it for them. They didn't know the danger. Everything was new for them. So middle of the night they went out, sneak out and they went. But they still was brought back to the same area. The next morning, the British soldiers went to the superintendent, asked, and they heard people were living in Yellowtail because they was moved from Uldia Mission that they can't stay. Uldia Mission was the closest to Merlinga where they was testing. So her people went down south. And Yellowtail was established since. And when the people settled in that Yellowtail mission, it, it's a community now, Yellowtail community, but it, in the past it was Yellowtail mission, the missionaries were looking after them. <coughs> they were told that we are bringing these families back to Yellowtail to see if they know anybody, all the people in Yellowtail, if they can recognize it's their family. So they was taken. Everybody was all waiting for them. When that army, army um, truck vehicle came into the community, everybody all rushed out to see who that person, people were. When the ladies, one old lady, that mother and the daughter and the husband, and the sun came out, they rushed 
they know that was their family, the family that they were looking for and was caught into this group of people who was at Malinga. They rushed, and that's how they seen it. <coughs> they seen, oh, truly, this family, they with the family there. It is their families. And because if they, they didn't know it wasn't their family and they was frightened, the soldiers said, we'll take them back and shoot them like a dog. They got no love. They got no love for people in this community. They don't understand the danger for our young generations when they're talking about the nuclear waste in South Australia. They got no feeling. I don't know if they got families of their own or children of their own. These government people that say they can help you, they're going to do things, try and stop it. But in the other year, they tell liars. I can tell you straight out, I've been to a lot of meetings. We have even got a lot of old people. I'm happy to see all the people that came on the boat, they hold, they're still here in their community. But my people, the old people, all gone. They've been swept out by that radiation. And we are the only young, gen second, third generations. And we've got more young generations still yet to come. And to learn about these danger parts, what is going to happen, what is not going to happen, or what will happen. But we live in this community, um, in the state of South Australia, or in Australia itself. We need to fight together, you and me, black and white, no matter where you come from, we're part of South Australia. We don't want nuclear waste in that area. You heard stories from other people. What has happened to Merlinga? We've been told by our people. We know what it is. We don't want nuclear waste to be in my community because they can do it a second time. But we learn from the first mess that they made. <clears throat> they need to learn, this government people, why they're not listening. Are they, uh, do, do they have a family of their own? I always ask these questions. How did they come to this world and want to put this nuclear waste on her land in South Australia? We all have to say no, we don't want nuclear waste in South Australia.
That was Mima Smart from the remote community of Yalata in South Australia, sharing her story of the Maralinga atomic bomb tests. Lastly, we'll hear an extract of ICANN Ambassador Scott Ludlam's speech. We find when industry and government turn the worst on us that they actually bring out the best in people. And so how do we do it? How do we persuade the world's most powerful and unethical, amoral governments to give up their most dangerous weapons? These governments are not going to give these things up without the kind of fight that people collectively in this room have become, probably against their will, very, very good at it. And I strongly believe that it starts with story. Like the kind of story that we've heard tonight, powerfully, from a gentleman who saw the white flash at Nagasaki and lived and had the courage to then come out and tell his story. Or from mob who've been on the front line confronting mining, waste dump campaigns against very, very powerful political and economic interests here in Australia. People who looked at this monster and didn't look away. And instead of stepping back, stepped up and stepped forward and confronted it. How do we do it? There's no magic trick. There's nothing that we need that we don't already have. We stopped atmospheric nuclear weapons testing, the generation that came before us and the one before that, stepped up and stopped atmospheric nuclear weapons testing. We stopped that dump at Muckety. The old ladies with their supporters around the country stopped that dump at Bilakalina. Yvonne Margarula and her mob stopped that hideous mine at Pajabaluka in the top end. In Japan, community organising, particularly through local governments, frontline young people putting themselves in harm's way, putting their arms in pipes, locking themselves to fences, kept all but five of the nuclear power plants in Japan from starting up again after the nightmare of 311. That crashed the world uranium price, which gave us a bit of breathing space here in Australia to checkmate the mining industry. That's the kind of community organising that we rely on to ban biological weapons, chemical weapons, cluster weapons, landmines, and on the 7th of July of last year, got a formal legal agreement to ban nuclear weapons once and for all as well. We actually know how to do this. Thank you to Peace Boat and ICANN for the opportunity to hear these incredible stories of survival. We've just heard from a few of the speakers involved in the recent Making Waves event in Adelaide. We heard from Akira Kawasaki from Peace Boat, Nagasaki survivor Turumi Tanaka, Marilinka survivor Mima Smart and ICANN ambassador Scott Ludlam. If you'd like to learn more about Peace Boat, go to peaceboat.org slash English. To learn more about the UN Weapons Ban Treaty, go to icanw.org slash au. Please contact your local federal MP and demand that Australia sign the treaty. The music on today's show was from Telk and Jerry Dance Group's performance, which was part of the Peace Boat's trip to Adelaide. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. This radioactive show was produced on Ghana land for 3CR Melbourne with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Collective. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au.
www.ac.org.au for more information and to donate online.